0: The holidays are right around the corner. Give the gift of hockey this holiday season with the Dallas Stars Holiday Hat Trick Plan. Shot, tip, score! Choose from three great packages and receive two tickets to three Stars home games, a Dallas Stars branded sleeve blanket, and tickets to watch the Frisco Fighters of the Indoor Football League. Inventory will be limited, so score your Holiday Hat Trick Plan now at DallasStars.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Kingsville Brewery. Let's join the Rush with your hosts, Daryl Razor Ray and Mike Heike.
1: Hello? How are you? Have you been alright through all those lonely, 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 lonely nights? That's what I say... I'd tell you everything if you'd pick up that telephone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or in this case, I guess, click the Podman Rush on your computer or device. We are the future, Mike. We are the future. Just like ELO, we are the future. <laughs> That's what the As kids a little, are listening to these those, days. Yeah. Some, some hot... Uh, Probably hot top 40 uh, downloads from Spotify, a little Jeff Lynn and ELO to get you started. You can just see and probably smell the permed hair and bell bottoms, aviator sunglasses, beard, and a little bit of disdain. What does ELO stand for, Mike? Uh, The Electric Light Orchestra. Wow. You are an old fuddy dud.
2: And, and Did you I like them you know, back in the day? Oh Did you my god, so much! Uh, well, one my pro- my favorite band is probably the Beatles, and Jeff Lynne was incredibly influenced by the Beatles. And then the amount of uh, the amount of orchestration in their uh, work, obviously, because of the name is, yeah. is impressive.
1: I thought they went overboard with that. We didn't need that much at that point. <laughs> I wanted guitar solos, soaring yeah. guitar. Look, the reason I'm bringing up music in the beginning is I'm making a plea in our our building. You know, we spend a lot of time on the road here lately. Yes, we do. What I'm asking for is for the warm-up music volume to move from 5, I think it's at, feels like it anyway, to 11. Whoa. I want that thing cranked. I, I want to be able to feel it deep down inside. I want my bowels shaking to the base subwoofer of what's being played in American Airlines Center as the guys go through their motions trying to get themselves both viscerally and uh, mentally charged for that day, night, game. On home ice, so they come out and just slap the opponent straight across the face in the first period.
2: Uh, from your conversation at the morning skate, it, it seems like you want uh, Yuri Lettinen to have a uh, role in. Hey, you know what? Finish medal
1: into the building. You know what? I talked to the Finns. I talked to the very like him. like the the very. Um, I mean, as calm as a reflecting pool, and. And never seems to get overly excited about anything Miro Haskinen. And he concurred immediately. They, yeah. they need some volume. Need some volume. See whether that turns it out. Um, anyway.
2: Can I make some recommendations myself? I, I was on the bus with my good friend Daryl Ray, and uh, I think we listened to Triumph, April 1.
1: Yeah, 1- yeah, we went hard Canadian there for a bit in Washington. <laughs> it was great. I don't know what was going on. Is there can am conference or something going I think on? It was, yeah. Canada Day in Washington. Uh, well, how about some STW, Mike? Okay. Sounds a little like something you might accidentally contract and maybe want to avoid, but no, alas, it starts this week all over the place, basically it stars this week. Here's a razor rule. Teams should not be forced to play four games in a week of the calendar ever maybe i shouldn't say ever maybe now and then maybe once every month but you should have more days of recovery than contests in a in a sporting schedule in our sport ice hockey yes i think i think it's too much they cram too <laughs> much in there
2: When And you mix in, what, two, 3 a.m. bedtimes? Well, that's what comes along with it. That's the residual effect, Mike. Yeah.
1: And it's not, look, who cares about us? Well, nobody. (laughs) It's apparent. But the athletes themselves and the coaches, I'll throw them in that category, too. They have to be mentally sharp, and they put in so many hours in preparation. The players have to actually play the game. And when they're, when they're playing every second, less than every second day, and as you mentioned, you know, you get into a room at 3.30 in the morning and sleep and groggy the next day and try to muster up everything you have in order to take on an opposition, like, it's, it's a lot. I think, the, I think everything would be better if, if that rule, the Razor rule, came into play. You cannot play... More games in a seven day span than you have recovery days. Bang, done. And we got to do something about that uh, center red line and the morning well, skate. Well. That's a different thing. <laughs> Tough run, especially when the team, the, the connectiveness of their game was a little bit inconsistent. Yes. And their opponents were so situationally motivated. That, that's the other part of it. But that has eased some. Yes. Here now, you. So since you and I last got together on one of these, we were in Washington, were we not? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So Washington was coming off a 10-day road trip, and the Stars always win in the nation's capital. So that was always going to lean more toward the Stars' victory than it was anything else. They come back home. Toughest game I've seen in a long, long time for the guys to have to play. You've got Vegas. Vegas. The defending Stanley Cup champs, sitting here for days with their dads, was the dad's <laughs> trip, you know, rested, waiting, you know, just. And then you have the Stars coming in and playing their seventh game in 11 and a half days, and, and they looked like it. So yeah. that, that, was, that was another one of those situational things. Last night, Detroit, they lost two key forwards the previous game, missing some other bodies. The Stars always beat them in Dallas. Now that's 11 straight. They've smoked the the wing nuts uh, and silenced all that red in the building. And there's always – it's funny, you know, they were always boisterous and all cocky and chest-puffed and all that for a while in Dallas. Now they they just look crestfallen as they – meekly make their way out of American Airlines Center in their little Larkin jerseys and their old Isermans and Delvecchios.
2: Anyway. As a Michigander, I can't say that they can fall back on those four Stanley Cups and relax pretty well, but th- that's just <laughs> me. <laughs> Remember where you're at, Mike. I know. All right. I, I still
1: have friends there. Big night on the milestone trail for Jamie Ben. So 500th assist, 867th point. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. So he ties Broughton in second behind Madonna on the all-time franchise scoring list. So I guess we can say he's the highest scoring Canadian in Stars history, Mike. That's We could have <laughs> said that a while ago, though, right? Probably so. Why do we always break everything down in every other... We, we get so jingoistic all over the place
2: you don't Other see than that in Canadians. the NBA. Other than Canadians. League baseball or football. <laughs> no,
1: you're right. They don't. <laughs> but we just like, oh, he's the highest scoring Finn. He's the, you know, he has the most goals of any player drafted out of Swahili. It's just. <laughs>
2: it's truly an international game.
1: Yeah. Well, more on that in a little bit. But it is amazing, isn't it? That, that Jamie, maybe it's not amazing, but it, it kind of sneaks up on you, I would think, a little bit. The. Where Jamie's starting to slot in all time for this franchise.
2: No, I definitely isn't. And what's interesting is funny. So this is a weird statement, but people keep asking me, well, who's the next number to be retired? Who's the next number to be retired? And I look at everything and I go, Jamie, Ben, I mean, like we've taken care of pretty much everybody else. And he's on the path to have his number hanging in the rafters at American Airlines Center. Uh, so that's a pretty good place to be. And he's still got plenty of good years left in, in his tires.
1: Yeah, I I, I have no doubt. Uh, I concur wholly. And, uh, you know, it's not just tenure or longevity. It's also productivity. Yeah. And uh, it'd be awfully nice if he could trapes a big silver chalice around an ice rink before he's done. It's funny, one. those two those Not two more. statues
2: out front, the Madonna one coming, each guy had one championship. Yeah. And, and you're looking at it going like, what if they didn't? You know, what, what would they still be the same guy? Because uh, it really, like, Dirks was kind of unexpected. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Moe's was obviously, you know, they were the best team in the league at that point in time. But it, it just adds so much to your aura to, to have that and, and Jamie deserves it. It's, it's so funny looking back, and we, he and I talk about this. About every time they get a new coach, you're like, "Well, you've had a few of these," and he goes, "Yes, I have." And that's just <laughs> you know that's just what it, he's been in that era of you know the NHL changes coaches and they've had some ups and downs. And it would be so good for him. I mean, you, you go back to that picture in the bubble of him sitting in that locker room yeah. and how close he was. Um, and, 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 and I how truly believe that was. And how painful. I truly believe that they may be in as good a place as they've been. I was talking to a, a friend the other night, and nothing against the old coaching staff. Uh, they did a wonderful job. But that that was a just a patchwork quilt of different personalities from different places. And, and they came together and, and got them to the Stanley Cup final. But you look at this coaching staff and... I mean, it is put together and it is tight. And I think they're in a very good place. And then you look at the, you know, let's say what they did last year by adding uh, Thomas Harley at the end and adding uh, Domi and and Dodonoff. And you look at this roster and say, one, you got space. You could make a move at the trade deadline, and whether that's a defenseman or whatever else you need. And then the other thing is, is you got two kids down there who are just – two of the best players in the AHL right now. And, you know, like I said, you look at what Thomas Harley did coming in for six regular season games and then having a huge impact in the playoffs. And I don't know. I just, I, I'm very optimistic. Even during these down times, I'm very optimistic about where this team can go.
1: Yeah, you're optimistic and scatterbrained. I was talking about Jamie I'm Ben all over for the crying place. out loud. Where are you going? <laughs>
2: well, you said something about know, Jamie I'm, Ben I'm potentially Mike.
1: lifting oh, Mike. the Stanley Cup. Hey, quite a pick back in 07, the old Jamie oh, Benn yeah. pick. The, you know, it, we documented it again last night with Kane, Patrick Kane coming in with Detroit. You know, he went first overall in 07. That was I, he a surprise, was, wasn't it? <laughs> he was a spectacular <laughs> player coming in, right? Jamie yes. went 129th. And they are 1-2 in points out of that draft class. So Jamie is clocking milestones right now and Sagan is playing fantastic in my opinion. I think it's really nice to see and and then further to what you're speaking of, you know, they they were the they were the absolute gonna win or lose on their shoulders for a while. Yes. Uh for this franchise and now they've taken on a different shape as Other individuals have come in and younger players uh, have have come in and and become maybe more so those players than they are today and that's how you you probably uh, construct a, a legitimate Stanley Cup championship looking team you have to have all those things and you have to have depth which brings me to how good has Sam Steele been
2: it's so funny that at the time I'm like, you know, let's just let the kids play. Okay. Come on. Let's not keep bringing these veterans in. But, but I think both him and Craig Smith have been really, really good. I mean, they've really added depth to the team and uh, you see that fourth line go out there and they don't always score and they don't even get shots on goal, but boy, you can tell they wear down the opposition and set it up for the next line that's coming out.
1: I I think steele has been arguably their best player here the last, Week or so, he's he's been integral. What a great name, too, huh? Yeah, like an old Western movie marshal or a Louis L'Amour novel character, or what else? A, a personal injury lawyer, Sam Steele, <laughs> huh? Well, a lot of things could be a lot of things. This better Sam call, Steele,
2: call Sam.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sam Steele. I'll lock him up. Uh this Sam Steele the stars Sam Steele he's you know he's been aggressively killing penalties pursuing the puck all over the ice drawing power plays for the the stars setting up teammates some beautiful primary assists that one to Sagan when we were in Washington yep just again aggressively impacting games with a very full throttle style of play he was I'm not going to I'm going to compare him to Guy Carboneau, but it, it it it's it's the same sort of path. Like if you if you look back, Carboneau with the Stars uh a very important cog back in those late 90s and a Hall of Famer, you know, Montreal Canadiens in here. He was drafted as an offensive player though. Yeah. Like he lit up junior hockey, Guy did, but found a, a niche is it niche or niche?
2: I, th- I like niche. It's kind of All almost right. a French pronunciation. Yeah, there we go. For,
1: <laughs> for <Cardinal>. Formidable. <laughs> uh, so he found that in the NHL as a depth forward and a penalty killer. And it's yep. it's kind of the same path. Like when Sam Steele got drafted uh, out of the Regina Pat, same uh, franchise that has produced Connor Bedard, uh, he, he was lighting up. The, that junior hockey level. Like he was an offensive first, first round pick, right? machine and a first round pick. Yes. I mean, that, that says it and right a there. You're a First
2: round pick. You're a pretty good player.
1: Yeah. He's my hot puck razor player of the week. That's who he is. All right.
2: I'm going I've with ropey. I, I still think he's the best player, but I could be wrong. For the week. Yeah. Cause he missed a game and they were terrible. Then he comes back and they're great. The game before, I think he had two <laughs> goals. Didn't he? There you go. Oh
1: Okay.
2: You've got to be able to miss somebody to know how, you know, without criticism, Daryl, there is no praise. Without absence, there is no presence? Is that what you're saying? It makes your heart grow fonder.
1: Oh, shush. Uh, Let's talk officiating. Man, people across all sports seem to be ticked at officiating right now. I think game management is what Mahomes was talking about, Mm -hmm. don't you? Mm -hmm. He was talking, uh, yes, the guy was, uh, in football, they call it offsides. We don't do that in hockey. It's offside. There's no plural on it. Uh, But they call it offsides. And he was. But at the same time, you're like, eh. Aikman last night went in on the officials on Monday Night Football. I'll say this. Mike Heika, the NHL probably could put a guy in the box on just about every faceoff if they wanted to look for a little interference, a little pick, a hook, whatever. They they could do it just about every faceoff in the offensive or defensive zone, whichever way you want to look at it. But they don't. Okay. It would just and then sir, there's always going to be the debate about late stages in every sport. And what you do or don't call. And, you know, you get the players come out and they're like, well, let the players decide it and, you know, don't call that. And then you get the other group that comes in and says, well, what penalty in the first minute should be a penalty in the final minute. I don't know. Where do you fall
2: in? Um, I kind of like the old school way of of letting them play. Um, I don't know if prison rules is is fine, but... um, but for some reason, we let all this stuff go in the playoffs when it's the most important games of the year. So if it's the last five minutes of a you know two-one game or or five-four <laughs> game, you know I, I don't have a problem with that. You know um, it's hard, and, and the smart players know how to push it. Uh, yeah, and we've even we've it's even seen that in the uh, NFL lately where basically they're holding on every play and every single receiver is trying to pick another receiver. Uh, And then it's hard. It's hard for the officials to say, okay, that one is egregious. That one, eh, and it was okay. Um, It was funny. I think on Twitter last night they had uh, one of the receivers uh, on Monday night football was positioned exactly the same and was not called offsides. Uh, So, (sighs) It's, it's a hard job, and you just got to roll with it. Um, otherwise, you, you're going to have to go and put everything on video and call every single penalty, and nobody wants that. It would
1: be pretty funny. I was laughing earlier. It would be funny if the officials said, oh, you guys want to decide it as players, and they just walked out all of them <laughs> with two minutes left in every game. Just like, oh, yeah. you can go ahead, decide <laughs> it. See how you like it without us here. Uh, the big issue that it seems the NHL has right now are these hits from behind. Yes. And there's been a rash of them the last week. Some of them just seem so blatantly obvious that, I mean, I don't need to go through referee school. I don't need to see it nine times in replay. Like, I can watch it once and go, yeah, no, that's gross, and he needs to go away for a little while. But it doesn't get called that way, and – I think every sport, the officials, and I agree with you, and ours is r- super difficult. They're yeah. blocked out. It's moving at 23 miles an hour all over the place. It changes directions all the time. They're looking out for their own safety half the time, it feels like, whether it's pucks or people you know, running into them. It's a confined space. They can't get out of the way. I mean, there's just a wall of glass and, and plastic boards that, that just keep them in the fray, if you will. So I I just believe that the influx of video has created something different that goes on. Because at times I, I watch it and I'm I'm thinking, okay, everybody now, because there's video and video replay, and we have these super slow motion, high-res cameras that pick up every flutter of the puck. And I I think there's a, a belief that you can that it's it's going to be perfect. They're going to get everything. But they don't and that that's impossible. So then you you get into well what are you going to you know just live with? Cuz you can't review everything. And you just continually go down this kind of swirling hole. And the new generation of refs, I don't think are into game management. They're they're more passionless and they're going to call stuff. Although they, I still believe when it gets real, even in our game, like it, when it's six on five and a goalie's out, if you just focus on the net front, man, th- there is violation after misdemeanor, after penalty, after penalty going on there. But you got to let them battle. You got to let them. That's, that's part of the, the whole love of the sport. You know, you can't take all the passion out and just have them all just skate around and stare at one another robotically. You got to have some of that in there. Although yeah, it's robots are robots are coming for the they officials' are. jobs, everybody's right. jobs, but certainly the officials.
2: It's funny that you mentioned. I didn't even think about it, but the the crew of old referees and part of it was because I think they were the only referee for a while there, and so they kind of ran the the whole show. But they. They love the spotlight on them. They love to be the guy, quote-unquote, managing the game. Uh, and this new group is different. I mean, they, they really – part of it, I think, also is, you know, they get sent uh, reviews, I think, video reviews after every game that the league looks and says, hey, you missed this caller, hey, you missed that caller, whatever. And so I think they're very um, – gun shy on, you know, Oh, I made a mistake. You know, the old refs, they didn't care if they made mistakes. It was just, you know, Hey, I'll get the next one. Right. Yeah.
1: But, but Mike, like if they were calling everything that goes on in games right now, teams would, we'd be back. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to say like Oh five Oh six when they had the, the mass change in the rule book and what they were calling in that. And teams were getting into the double digits and power plays within games. If 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 they were that way, if if the young refs were coming in, they're like, well, I'm going to call everything. Teams would be getting eight, nine, ten power plays a game.
2: Yes, you are correct. But they
1: but they don't because and the, I'm I'm glad they don't call it that way because the the scoring might go up, but the game is meant to be played in transition, not at one end and then at the other end and then at the you know what I mean when there's yeah. just power play against penalty kills. That's not. Not what the sport's supposed to be about. So, uh, you know, look the the robots are going to take over the umpiring in baseball. Yes. That I mean, that's going to happen, right? AI will ensure that calls are absolutely correct. To the benefit of whom?
2: Uh, I don't watch tennis a lot, but I believe they've done that, haven't they? Aren't there lasers on if if the ball's in or out already? And, yeah, yeah. And you know, soccer has VAR yeah, st- yeah, and yeah, that's all that a good kind point. of stuff.
1: That's a great point, Mike, because they'll, they'll go to Hawkeye, and the crowd now, you know, it's Pavlovian. They they just are going to that. Let's clap. <laughs> tink, 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 tink. They clap, and then they come up. They show it on the screen, and, and it's a big graphic uh, or, or uh, computer-generated image, and you can see whether that ball touched the line or didn't. Yeah. And then they move right, can on. I give
2: can I give you one Columbo moment in this? I'll give it in the middle of the of the podcast. <laughs> of
1: course you can.
2: I don't under so I'm sitting at home watching TV on a 70 inch screen with my own uh, remote you control have a that I 70 can 70 inch it. screen. That's huge. It's massive. Jeez, uh, and so I can at back the money it up. My household. That's true. Mrs. Heike does very well. Uh, anyway, why do we not have a person in the building? who's sitting in a room with a 70-inch screen and his own remote control, and he can back up every play. And then he calls down to the ref. Because it just it frustrates me for football and for hockey when you come over and look at an iPad. Like mm. a ref is looking at an iPad to determine what happened. And I'm sitting at home, you know, like you said, slowing it down to, you know, frame <laughs> by frame. No, no, no. He was a half a tick offside. You know, it's just I don't know why we don't, as a league, have that person in the building. The video official. I know we have it in Toronto.
1: but. Well, Why do you think think it would be better to be in the building than be in Toronto if they're both looking at a big screen?
2: Because I think you would be part of the crew. And I think that person. they are part of
1: the crew. They understand that. They're in contact. Okay. That's why they put the headsets on. They're talking to them in Toronto. Okay. It's no different than if they were here. And and it gives exactly what you're asking for.
2: To some degree, I, I do think there is a feel like when we watch the game in the building, we watch everyone in the building. Sometimes I sit at home and watch on TV. Uh, it, it just feels a lot different. Or you. So
1: It would be funny if they, they just threw the iPads down and then just backed off and watched it on the enormous <laughs> on jumbotrons jumbotron. in right. every building. And then, then they just they, hand they signals, st- oh, run it again. Okay, run it <laughs> yeah, again. They- they're standing 18, next to a they looking freaking at
2: his iPad. <laughs> <laughs> That's never going to happen. You know, you know how to make the game entertaining, don't
1: you? Yeah, that would, that would <laughs> be dragging fresh meat out in front of the wolves, I think. The, the Stars have somewhat struggled to get on the power play yes, a they lot have. this year. You think it's, it's personnel-driven, style of play?
2: What, what do you think that is? I've been confused by it, to tell you the truth, because I do think, one, they're a fast team. Two, you know, they they have certain players who other teams foul. And so I'm I'm just surprised they haven't gotten more. Um, But it was also a very short stretch. I think it was five games or four games with five power plays. Uh, that really, you know, kind of gutted it. And then more recently, they're starting to get back on. Um, it was funny. I was talking to Robertson last night, and there is a, just a, I don't know what the, the feel of, you get three power plays in a game, you're much better at the power play. You get one, you know, like we've had one the other night. It was just awful where, you know, they hadn't had one, I think the previous game or, or uh, whatever. And then they got the first one and it was just like, they were rusty. So... One, it's bad that they're not getting enough because, you know, they need the, they need the opportunities, but two, the power play is so much better when you get three or four a game and, and hopefully they're trending in that direction.
1: Mike, let me support that, that notion from you and the man they call robo. Uh, analytically speaking, look, I do phenomenal work on the stars broadcast. We have a thing called the Choctaw game within the game where I try to set things up for the people right? Because I am a man of the people for the people. I bring it to the people. When the Stars get a bushel of power play opportunities this year, hasn't happened that much. How many did they have last night? Four? They get Thanks. Yeah, they had four. Two, right? two for four? Yeah. So they get four last night. So I broke things down when the Stars get four or more power plays in a game or when they get zero to three. So... They've only had four or more power plays now in eight games. Eight of the first 20, yeah. what are we at? Six or seven? Something like that. Okay, when they get this, these reps like that, the power play is 37%. When they get a smattering of opportunities, zero to three, the power play is 14%. percent ta friggin da I'm here for you, Mike. I'm here to support all your reporting. I, too, went into the room yesterday and tried to ferret out some pearls of wisdom from power play individuals. I went to Joe Pavelski, leads the Dallas Stars in power play goals this season, as he did last year. And I said, what do you make of the sort of dearth of power play opportunities you guys have had to endure? And uh, he gave me, yeah, it goes like that sometimes. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> and, yeah, and he it asked like you, what sometimes. does dearth mean? <laughs> no, he's a great man. He is. Uh, I'm kidding. He went anyway. to college,
2: right? Speaking Wisconsin
1: of Wisconsin guy. Spe- speaking of uh, guys like Joe Pavelski, fine, upstanding American player in the National Hockey League, here's a white-hot sports opinion, or rather red, white, and blue-hot Sports opinion, Mike. Okay, I think the best thing for interest, viability, and the future of hockey would be a USA win in an upcoming upcoming Olympics.
2: Hmm. There's a potential for some of Dallas Stars players to be involved in that.
1: Yes, and the Americans would have, I think, the team to beat. Again, very jingoistic on this. Podman Rush this week,
2: Mike. It is. And the other interesting thing about this group, and I, I haven't really diced it up completely, but you, you can have some pretty good Sunbelt players in there too. So oh, yeah, that's only, what I mean. Yes, yes Mike. Not only yes, would it be yes, good yes, for yes, USA, yes. but it would be good for California and good for Arizona. America, good, Mike. America, It'll be good but I mean, America. See, we always talk about the footprint, the global footprint of the game. And that would be a good one. Let America know who these kids are.
1: Yeah. Introduce them to America. (laughs) The last U.S. victory. The last U.S. victory. The last one, Mike. At an Olympics. Mm -hmm. When was it? Gosh, I don't know. 1980? Yes. That's quite a while ago. By my, you know, very rural, educated mind,
2: uh, I believe... Well over 40 years ago. And the irony is that the, the previous one seemed so earlier before that was at 60. Yeah. And, you know, you're going like, Squaw oh, my Valley? gosh. Squaw Valley? No. Yeah? Yeah, Where Squaw Valley, one? I think. yeah, and, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that was such a long time. You're going, yeah, 20 years. Well, now we're at, what, 44? <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Ouch. And, and still, Ruzioni and those guys are, are household names for good yep. reason. Could you imagine, though, that team in 1980 if social media was around then? Yes. What kind of just off-the-charts iconic everywhere individuals
2: they would be? I think the, Russian, went bot- on to play- I think the Russian bots would try and be uh, saying that they didn't win legally. <laughs> You're right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They would, get, they would get absolutely <laughs> hammered by Russian bots on uh, fake. That was just a f- <laughs> fake thing. And we are not uh, e- even recognizing the American gold medal in 19. 19- yeah, you're right. I don't even know. The Russians won't even be in the Olympics, will they? Or will they? I don't know. Where is that in statement? <sighs> anyway, so much awards. That, that is I, like you start going through rosters in the National Hockey League right now in goal on defense at forward man there are so many like extremely talented American kids yes I'm impressed some of them some of them are the spawn of Canadian hockey players let's give them that but many are are homegrown created and probably led by the Hughes brothers right now right yeah like geez all of them (laughs) USA, USA, USA. I would be on board. I, I would love to, to, to witness that. Put it this way, Mike. It would not be a miracle. You would not have to believe in miracles if the USA won the next Olympics. Bang, Al Michaels. Uh, you were talking about coaches and getting fired earlier. I think you were. You love that. You're so negative. You like to see Dang. people lose their jobs. I was just Why just do teams fire Jamie their coaches? Ben. Why do teams fire their coaches, Mike? Because they
2: can't fire the players.
1: No, no, because
2: it works. It works. It does. So I have friends in Minnesota, and they were just like, they were just screaming about, they're done. There's no way. This is all going to fall apart. We can't ever compete again. And I go, let's see what this new guy can do.
1: Well, they still might fall apart. They're not a very good team. No, but again. They've lost a few in a row. The Edmonton Oilers. Our example, 8,769 of why teams fire their coaches. Correct. They were 3-9-1 and one under Woodcroft to start the season. And floundering, depressed, finding ways to lose, blaming, goaltending, all of it was going on. They make a change in behind the bench, boom, 7-0, and oh, and looking like a wagon, looking like the team that everyone thought they were going to be this season. It's a, it's incredible. I mean, they they haven't changed any players. Nope. You know, and, and you can't change all your systems overnight. It it's just a different voice. You know, Paul Coffee added in there as well. There's always been that a, a bit of a, a hesitance to have superstars in behind benches as coaches because they just they can't see it the way your run of the mill. NHL player, It's like, well, why, you know, with coffee it'd be like, well, why don't you just go behind the net, grab the puck from the goaltender, skate through everyone and score? That's what I did. Do it. I think nowadays th- there, there's probably more of an appetite to have former superstars in your coaching uh, midst because the, of the difference in how the game is played and how much skill there is in the game. What do you think of that? Yeah.
2: Uh, it's a great observation on your part. The, the only problem is, is, is towards skill.
1: most of those old superstars have so much bank and they have no appetite whatsoever for 17 hour days looking at video that they don't really want to go into coaching. You know, they could do broadcasting. That seems a lot easier. <laughs> you could do that. If there's not a lot of money in that. <laughs> no, there's a lot of money in, in other sports, uh, right now. Not not so much in in my little world. Uh, so Stars Oil 2024 Western Conference Final. You heard it right here. You heard it. Mid-December. I'll be at the Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Won't we all? <laughs> other sports quick hits. Speaking of other sports, Mike, and, and getting into this. The NBA in-season tourney in a world artificially convoluted. That's two words. That said marketing genius right eh. it made it look they looked like it looked holographic if that's yeah, a that, word.
2: yeah it definitely didn't did. it? like
1: i would <laughs> yes. look i would see highlights on my phone and i was like man that doesn't look real with those goofy floors and i don't know somehow it just it looked more like a video game than it did a real game
2: i was watching them change the floor over and i'm going like so they the mavericks have like this floor, entire floor in the back here that they're going to use for what, two games or whatever, and then never use again. Like the amount of money and time and everything to go into that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's, it's almost like the college football uniforms. You know, each team having eight or ten uniforms now with different helmets and I, it's, oh,
1: it's Oregon. That's Nike. They they started. Well, all
2: that. Texas Tech, TCU, they do the yeah. same thing. Yeah, it's it's just I'm I'm just shocked. My little you know 14 year old brain is like, no, wait a sec. They used to wear the same uniforms every single game.
1: Here, here's the thing I'm wondering about this idea of in season tournaments. So they have it almost immediately, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the season is in its infancy in the NBA. Yes. All of a sudden, they have a playoff. What's going to happen when you get into I would suspect that they get into the dog days just like hockey does. Same length of schedule in that, where you get into, you know, January, February. It's like, oh, my God, we still have another month or month and a half, two months of of grind, and then playoffs. Yeah. I I wonder whether they're going to hit an even bigger wall in their sport this year because of this manufactured in-season tournament or not.
2: I don't know when their all-star game is, but they they – sell that pretty big. So that'll help them get over whatever, February. Um It's weird. And again, I'm... You see it I'm coming t- in
1: hockey? See one of these in hockey? No,
2: I don't. I mean, although, hey, every good idea has to be... It just... Uh, when are they planning to have, if they're
1: going to have the World Cup again? That's gonna a, have now, it,
2: see, that August? would be a great idea. Or are they going to yeah. shut
1: it down and say... Screw it! We're not having an all-star game, and and we're gonna just play this tournament like in February.
2: You could do it. I'm hmm. a fan of the of the pre-tournament, but if if you wanted to, yeah, yeah. But then
1: I'm I'm telling you, guys like their off seasons
2: now. They do, and then the other thing is 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 the thought process of okay, let's give you know the the worker bees a couple of weeks off and, and let's see what they look like in, in uh, April and May. Uh, mm. if, if they if, you know, if they take a little time off to uh, get a little healthy in February, mm. maybe, maybe it's not a bad idea. That's a lot of travel though. And I, I mean, I don't know if you could hold it in Canada or the U S that'd be one thing, but I don't know if, Oh, you would, you'd, you'd have to do it. Whatever world. Yeah. You have to have it where you're playing. Is.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Go for no, no, it. No, no, you have it. You have it over here, please. Dallas? Yeah, why not? Big silver sticks on right now, isn't it?
2: That's right. It was last all week. All those and little yeah.
1: kids from all over. It's the NAFTA one. I think there's Canadian teams, there's Mexican teams, and there's American teams. The North American Free Trade Agreement? Yeah. Is it still in existence? I don't even I don't know. know. I don't either. <laughs> Trade parade. Did the Lakers
2: get a parade? They won it. They did as shocking, but they're not, they're not having them. a parade. Are they? No, no, I wouldn't think so, but they probably will not raise a banner. Oh my God. You got to do that.
1: How about they just have like a runway instead of a parade route or route. <laughs> just have a little runway show. LeBron can walk out. He was the MVP. By the way, LeBron makes $47.6 million this year.
2: Yeah. Somebody else. Well, I, hope, I hope he got a bonus
1: for MVP of the in season tournament just to try to offset some of his expenses. But that pales in comparison. Baseball free agency, Shohei Ohtani, $700 million to the Dodgers. He's deferring almost all of it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Smart he's man. Only, I think he's only taken in, like, the report said, like $2 million. The rest of it's going to be deferred so that they can have a championship caliber club around him doesn't right. seem like it should even be allowed. That seems like circumvention of some sort, does it not?
2: Yeah, Brady did it.
1: Remember when A-Rod got $250 million from Mr. Hicks? Yep. That seemed like just astronomical. Now it seems quaint. $700 million, Mike.
2: That's a lot. I- I'm shocked by it all. But again, uh, The uh, teams, I think Mark Cuban bought uh, his for uh, something in the hundreds of millions and selling it for 3.5. And that's just the managing rights or whatever. That's not even the whole thing, I don't think. Uh, So 3.5 billion there. And I think some of these hockey teams uh, have proven that they can make a pretty good coin uh, when they're flipped. Uh, So might as well let let the players have some of it, too.
1: Well, who owns the golf teams? John Rom got $300 million over three years from Liv. Yeah, that's just a weird
2: thing. I don't know where that money
1: comes money from. Money talks, Mike. You know what I deduced from those two <laughs> signings, Otani and Rom? Both of them have H's in their last name that aren't fully pronounced. Mm. R-E-A-U-G-H. Mm. <laughs> yep. I can, it's a synergy. All of us. Can I get a loan from you? All of us unnecessary H's are hitting the payday. Uh, in hockey, the the highest contract in the history of our league, this is going to get shattered soon here, I would think. Yeah. Caps going up, which is great news. Not by phenomenal percentage, 5% is that me, what it right? is.
2: I think 87-something.
1: Alexander Ovechkin. Who looks like he, he's carrying the weight of expectation along with the veteran legs? Like when we were in Washington until overtime, he could have won it in overtime. I think, I think an earlier version of Alexander Ovechkin probably won it. Wins that one in overtime against the Stars on the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's 124 million dollars over 13 years, which seems right. Yeah. And 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 when you consider what he's done in in the stretch of that, I'm not going to say underpaid, but maybe a little bit for who he is.
2: Well, and on a, chasing what, down a record, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna catch Gretzky. Nobody yeah. catches Gretzky yeah. in anything. Uh, the other thing is, is, I don't, I can't even remember what night it was. Was that Thursday, Wednesday? Uh,
1: we played Saturday, Thursday.
2: Thursday. So on a Thursday night. With the Dallas Stars, who are kind of okay, but not the Boston Bruins, that place was completely full and and rocking. Uh, and that's what Alexander Ovechkin does to your franchise. Uh, even when you don't have a great team, uh, you have enough people who, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's the NBA model, and it seems to be working in Washington. Yeah, because I remember going out to that old barn, you know, Land whatever over Maryland. Years ago, yeah, it was not. The cap rotten. center in Landover, Maryland.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Washington Capitals hockey. <laughs> the other one that comes to mind in hockey, though, is Shea Weber's offer sheet. I think people have forgotten about that because, you know, all kinds of injury problems. Finished up with Montreal. Um, ran to the, to the uh, odd Daffy Cup final with the Canadians that year in front of nobody. Uh, but 114 million over 14 years, or something like that. Insane, <laughs> insane. Now, when you go forward, like the next contracts for those uh, two superstars in Edmonton and other young guys that are going to have just crackerjack numbers, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get into the mid-teens per year very quickly. I think in our sport.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, every team is against the cap now and we're all looking for the Sam steals of the world that you can fill in on the, you know, and that's just the way it's going to go. You're going to have haves and have nots. And well, they probably do that in other sports too, though, right? No, they like, do definitely do.
1: Like you're not going to pay LeBron 50 million and then pay your, well, I guess your bench guys are still making 20, you can make like 25 million and <laughs> be bench. like, yeah, I, you know, he's, he doesn't play that much in that, here's 25 million. Can you imagine? Well, they, they only have one. Why didn't we fun. play basketball, Mike? You and I should have played basketball. Small forward, really, maybe
2: really a shooting guard for you. I was a point guard. I was very, very good.
1: Oh God, I don't want to hear more about your <laughs> youth sport endeavors.
2: Uh football, I think, is the one where where guys really just have to, because of the the way that they've negotiated for the ownership in every single negotiation. Uh, they have people who, you know, the, the split between Dak's forty million and, you know, the fiftieth guy on the on the roster is is pretty significant, I think.
1: Oh, they pay quarterbacks.
2: They do pay quarterbacks. They pay quarterbacks? Uh, receivers. There's,
1: there's so many backup quarterbacks playing right now. What are they making? Are they just
2: peanuts? I, I think
1: compared? it's
0: three or four.
2: I think the Cowboys typically have a guy making 3 or $4 million as their backup.
1: And then it's not, and, and then their contracts aren't guaranteed. That's the one that just yeah. blows me away in that sport. If only they made enough money to guarantee their players' contracts, hey? Someday, fingers crossed, that they can there you
2: go.
1: bring in more revenue.
2: You're a man of the uh, people.
1: That's about all I have from my epiphany machine and observation oblongata this week. What do you have anything else
2: <laughs> I used my uh, Colombo card in the middle yeah there, you did so, yeah. <laughs> you did that earlier well then maybe we move on I you know it's what a, I'll, I'll say this. I like this one I'll say this
1: right after we finished a long diatribe on contracts and finances and and humongous numbers financial numbers fiduciary you're a fiduciary that's what you are Heike I hate talking about contracts and numbers in sports. I hate it. I, I hate I don't,
2: it. I don't mind because I think it's part of the strategy. I, I know, that, but that I hate it. It makes things work. Way more so now. I prefer to just talk about
1: what the value of the individual is and the framework of the team and what he's, instead of going, well, he's not worth $7 million. Well, he's he's not worth that. Well, he should be making this. I, that, that just bogs me down. So I'm sorry you
2: appreciate the fiduciary cheating that Vegas has done to, you know, some of that.
1: Yes. Some of that. I actually enjoy the creative because if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Right.
2: And it's
1: worked for them. It's, it's, it's why Gary Bettman has to call them all into the room every year and scold them a little bit because, and, and they've had to create rules to save themselves from themselves in our sport. It's probably every sport, I would think, right? Yeah, they are all trying to to get a sliver of advantage here and there. And they put all these things in place and they have these guardrails and then they spend, I would think, absorbent amounts of time trying to figure out how to get outside the guardrails and break things down. And then it's like, oh, we didn't realize there's a loophole there. Well, we'll close that one next time. And then, as soon as they close that one, they find another one somewhere else. It's fun. Yes, it is. That part of it is fun. Very much fun. But I apologize for bogging everyone down in in numbers. Ugh.
2: They love it.
1: At the same time, we very much appreciate all of you out there who consume our little podman rushes. Uh, we have grown our are they called impressions?
2: <laughs> You're asking the
1: wrong guy. <laughs> I'm sixty-two years old, Daryl. I don't know. You should have someone in here on IT impressions. Yes, yes. I Look got. Oh this. wow! I got a th- I got a magical thumbs up with a with, firework with fireworks show in, be, in behind. <laughs> oh my God! These kids and their ability. Jordan Foreman, <laughs> who I guess laces all this together in the magic. He's probably on of
2: Instagram. I hear that's a, a big uh, big thing with the kids these my, days.
1: <laughs> Mike, you just went from 62 to 92 by opening your mouth. Anyway, uh, we've grown our impressions. Used to be ratings and stuff like that, but now we're impressioning people, or they're impressioning us. I, why don't you use a, like a rich little uh, analogy or something, Mike? Make yourself really hip with the kids.
2: Me and no. Red Skelton used to crack up the kids. Oh, God. Back in the- anyway, <laughs> sends, blues, Kraken,
1: upcoming. And if you flare your nostrils, you can get a whiff of the redolence of a four-game winning streak.
0: Drink it in. Bye for now. You've been on the Podman Rush with Razor Ray and Mike Iica, presented by Kingsville Brewery an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things Texas hockey, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today.
1: Oh my God, you, you don't even know your powers, Jordan. You don't know your powers. You're like a friggin' wizard.
0: You're a podcast wizard. The 2023-24 hockey season is in full swing, and your Dallas Stars need you at American Airlines Center to help bring the intensity. Shot, tip, score! Don't miss your chance to experience the electrifying environment that Texas hockey has to offer this season. From huge hits to savage saves, American Airlines Center is the place to be as the Stars look towards the Stanley Cup. Secure your seats today at DallasStars.com.